Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Meeting by chance when they returned to their tiny California hometown, two former high school sweethearts reflect on their shared past through the lens of their differently satisfied presence. In this tender and wise and affecting chamber drama from first-time feature director Alex Lehman comes to film Blue Jay, wonderful film about these two characters of Jim and Amanda, as well as another film called Asperger's Are Us. It's this coming-of-age documentary about four friends on the autism Spectrum, who have bonded through humor and performed as a comedy troupe, Asperger's Are Us, will prepare for one final ambitious show before going their separate ways. Hence is the premise of today's interview with a first-time feature film director and us, as well as documentary filmmaker Alex Lehman. Alex, welcome to Film School. Thank you. It's nice to be here. Oh, yeah. And I, I really, right out of the gate, I just want to tell you how much I enjoyed both of these films, certainly. Uh, oh, thank as, you. Yeah, and as a doc, as someone who uh, you know, documentaries have become a big part of this show, and one of the one of my favorite sources of films now, how interesting they are. I, I want to touch very. I want to at least briefly on what's going on with um, how you got to know uh, the troupe of, of uh, performers in Asperger's or Us, and just a little bit about uh, your decision to make that into a documentary. Yeah, as far as far as that troop goes, I was um, I was researching uh, Asperger's and comedy for this this script I was writing, and uh, I came across this article about these guys, and I realized that uh, I knew a lot less about Asperger's than I thought because I would have never imagined that there there would be a sketch comedy troupe, you know, composed of, of all Aspergians, <laughs> and. And and very quickly I realized, um, you know, reading their article and watching their sketches, I was like, man, these guys are so fascinating and funny and, you know, like nothing I know. So so I put the script down and I put up, you know, I picked up my camera, flew out to Boston and I said, I'm, this documentary is going to be far more interesting than the uh, script I've been writing. So, so yeah. yeah, I decided to share the experience of, of getting to know these guys as, as the documentary. Yeah, and it... It sounds like the initially you were into um, film their their final performance. This uh, the idea they were going to do one last performance before they hung it up. Was that sort of the the way in to their story? Yeah, that was definitely the way in. They you know it took a while to earn their trust, but when they finally invited me they, they to film them, they they said you know we're we're putting together what might be our last show ever, so you probably want to come out and film us preparing that. Gotcha. And, uh, you know, okay. within a week, I was, I was out there, yeah. Well, they're terrific, and I just want to name them very quickly. Ethan, Jack, Noah, and New Michael. Very interesting men, uh, and very interesting. And, I, I, again, I sort of want people to understand that the, while the film is called Asperger's or Us, and that's the name of the comedy troupe, uh, as they've said, as the, Noah says at the end, when you've met one person with Asperger's, you've met one person with Asperger's. And I, I think that's a beautiful way to summarize not only themselves but also the film itself i think is a good way to frame it and understand and i think what you accomplished in this film as well thank you 
now I want to shift gears a little bit because there is this amazing performance film called Blue Jay. I mean, the perform- there's really only two people with a brief appearance uh, by, a, uh, by a liquor store person. <laughs> Other than that, it's Sarah Paulson and Mark Duplass, and they're both amazing in this, in this film. And tell me a little bit about how you became involved with the film Blue Jay. Well, I, uh, you know, I was just kind of wrapping up the documentary and that, that was with the Duplass brothers. And um, it just, you know, I got an email from Mark saying, I've got this idea and I'm looking for a director slash DP to help me tell the story. Um, could you recommend anybody? And I started writing a smart ass answer, which was partial, partially my sense of my very dry sense of humor, but also partially my uh, defense mechanism of, of never... <laughs> Never being sure that I quite belong uh, where where I am. Like, are you sure you want me to do this? What? So I wrote him. I started writing back an email. I was like, Hey, man, yeah, no, I got a lot of director DP friends I can recommend. Absolutely. My wife saw that email. She's like, Do not send that. Delete that. Write him an email that says, Yes, please, thank you. I would love to be a part of this. And uh, mm-hmm. of course, that's how I, you know, that's how I truly felt. So. So yeah, uh, Mark invited me to to collaborate with him on on this film, which, in a lot of senses, felt like making a documentary about, you know, about Jim and Amanda, about Mark and Sarah's characters, um, because we were shooting chronologically and we were doing improv and we were really chasing a story. So there were all these elements, um, and a lot of you know, a lot of it I shot single camera handheld, very docu. So, you know, we, we scripted stuff and we did takes, but we, we were also trying to find an honesty in it that, um, you know, you kind of you find in, in documentary where as you find cool little moments uh, that reveal elements to a character, you, you, you chase those things and, and see what else reveals itself. Yeah, and uh, just out of curiosity, we after all, this is film school. So what did you shoot on? What, what film did what, I mean, what uh, camera did you use? It was this, uh, we were the first feature to shoot entirely with this camera. It was called the, it's called the Canon ME20, mm-hmm. Michael Edward-20. And uh, I hope they're coming up with a better name for it soon. <laughs> but it's, uh, it's amazing and low light. It's this like, full sensor camera that was designed for, for like, military and security purposes. Mm. So it doesn't have any onboard recording, doesn't have any onboard power, but it's like insanely good in low light. And so I was trying to make this this movie, you know, with a small crew and like really just try to keep it intimate, and personal, not a lot of lighting. Um, so so I, I asked them if I could test this camera, and you know, when the test looked good, especially with the the black and white light and the and the grain we're adding to it, I I knew we were uh, we were going to do something cool with the new camera. Now that is sort of the benchmark for for cameras, isn't it? Is low light, isn't that sort of the where you separate the the good from the bad, right? Low light. You know, I, oh, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that. Not not for me. I mean, I, I, I definitely know what you mean, and that's that's not wrong. But I, I, whenever somebody asks me what my favorite camera is, my my answer is, you know, it depends what you're making, what the circumstances are. You mm. know, they're, they they all they all have their different purposes, and and you just, you know, select the camera that plays to, um, you know, with the strengths that play to your your project's needs. So no, not always is low light the most important thing, but in this case, it was one of the most important things. Although the most important, the best thing about this camera for me was the full sensor. Mm-hmm. That um, when you you know it's it's basically like shooting seventy millimeter film. So uh, when you compare it to Tarantino's 
you know, most recent movie or when you compare it to The Revenant. Um, you can do this handheld stuff where you're, it feels like you're right up, you know, right up with the actors. It's a very intimate feeling, but you're not having to use these really wide-angle lenses that distort everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, that, that comes from having a, a larger sensor. So uh, I think larger sensor cameras are definitely becoming a very cool thing because of the, uh, you know, what the focal lengths allow you to do to, to get a more intimate feeling with your characters. One last technical question, because I do want to get to the really what's the heart and soul of this film, is which is the performances and the story. But one last technical. Sure. Did that in any way play into the decision to go black and white? Was because of sort of the, the, the value of the camera, what it brought to the to the production? Or what, what went into that as sort of idea to, to do black and white with this? Um, we, knew, we knew we wanted to do black and white before we, um, mm. you know, before I picked this camera. It was... It was more um, a feeling of, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, there's definitely the sense of nostalgia that we wanted yeah. to go for. But but honestly, more than anything, we just wanted this very simple tone film where it was, you know, there weren't going to be any frills. There weren't going to be any distractions. So um, we, we shot it simply. And, you know, I just thought, like, you know, Mark and I talked about this. We said, let's, let's take the color out. Let's take out a lot of distractions. Let's just make it about the actors, their faces, the story. Keep it really simple. And, and and let let those great things carry carry the movie. Okay, so let's talk about Amanda and Jim. Let's talk about Sarah Paulson and Mark Duplass because they are the movie, and they're the meeting in a, the chance meeting in the grocery store. Moving forward, even the very first things about this particular encounter is it's a, just a, it's beautiful to watch to watch the interaction between the two of them as they are becoming well as they meet again. And how there are, you know, even then you're, they're starting to telegraph their, you know, some of their stories, some of the back backstory on themselves, and it, it's just a, it continues to be wonderful. Now, I un, now from doing some research, I understand that this wasn't in not an entirely scripted uh, film that there was some improv involved. But I'm just curious about how that all played into the making of this film for you as a as a cinematographer and as well as the director. How was that for you to? Or well, talk a little bit about that the uh, the sort of improv nature of the film. Yeah, I mean the, the entire film was improv. Uh, we we had a a 15 page outline that you know had all the story beats and had you know certain things we wanted to to. Uh oh, did I lose you? Me? Oh, there uh, you cut out for Sorry. just a second. You s- Sorry about that. That's right. Uh, we so yeah, we shot chronologically, and we shot. It was all improv, um, and it was about chasing the story and and just finding real moments. And sometimes the scene started to become something different than what we had envisioned. But if we liked it, and especially if some really genuine, beautiful stuff was happening, we we would accept it. We would take it and say that, okay, that's, that's what this scene was. And that's cool. Now let's think moving forward. What does the next scene have to be? You know, if, if the scene we just shot was a little more awkward or a little more tense, you know, how do we make the next scene a little bit more fun or, or whatever. But it was, it was always about kind of making sure that there was like a a good steady amount of ups and downs and, you know, uh, character, uh, revelations that that you know came out in very natural ways because of the improv nature did now i i'm gonna guess that mark 
was is probably a little more comfortable in that sort of a setting than yeah. Sarah would have been. Uh, I think I'm, my sense is that Sarah has been, you know, she's used to scripts and hasn't done. I don't know that she's done a lot of improv, but she's. They're both fantastic in the film. I just I can't even I can't underscore that enough. They have there's a real chemistry. There's a real sense that they actually have this backstory. There's no I didn't question that for a second. But um, how how well did Sarah Paulson adapt to that sort of uh, style of uh, acting? She obviously did, but I'm just curious how that went for well, her. She was, yeah, Sarah was, I think she was a little nervous, you know, about about the improv, but that's just because she's a perfectionist. She Her standards are incredibly high. And um, so, yeah, she's a script junkie. She loves to do her homework and annotate and, and, you know, be able to call things back. And she's, you know, she's a pro as far as, I mean, as far as everything, she's, she's definitely a pro with her, her scripts. Um, but I don't know. I mean, we're, from the get-go, we, we knew that she was going to be fantastic in improv, and, and, and she was. She just, um, yeah, I guess I would just say her, her standards are so high that she was coming into a new thing and, and not sure about how it was going to go. But I don't know. She's magical. She's one of the best living actresses we have. Um and I, I, I would have to say that in in all of the outtakes and any of the deleted scenes or moments in the film, everything. I mean, I edited. I went. You know, we went through all the footage. There's not a false moment that we ever captured on camera with Sarah. She's she's fantastic. Yeah, I, I go back to. I mean, I've seen her in so many things over the years. I'm so happy to see her. She, I think, especially since the uh, the OJ uh, docu series. I think she's got, her her profile's gone up a notch or two, but I Martha, Marcy, May, Marlene. There's just so many films that where she was just so outstanding in them um, that it's. I mean, it's hard to. I'm so glad for her. I just really am. I think quality actresses like her, uh, especially coming up, in my opinion, kind of through the indie route, um, right. don't always get the chance that they deserve. And, and so it's great to see her. I have to tell you, there's a couple of scenes, and I'm not giving anything away about the film, um, but I, I thought the scene, um, the dinner scene, the dinner, the making of dinner is just such a wonderful uh, on so many levels, a wonderful scene. It's shot beautifully, but in addition to that, uh, sort of the the real the guard from both of these characters really drops during that particular sequence. Uh, it's just wonderful to watch. Um, tell me a little bit about that particular scene, if you could. Well, that's that's a great example as as far as um, when we were shooting the previous scene, and you know we, we were trying some stuff that we had scripted, um, you know that we had outlined. In improv, we found you know we found a couple other things that we liked a little more, and so it changed what that dinner scene was going to be, and we had to have a lot more fun with it. And um, and I think so. I think the scene prior to the dinner scene, uh, you know, Mark even improv the line that was like, you know, do you want to have some fun? You know, do you want to just and and so we you know we decided to like really kick it up a notch with the, with with the fun and the imagination and, and just kind of letting yourself go and. And so, yeah, it, it just became this this other thing where um, we just needed to like just go full in, where the characters were like not even gonna, you know, for a second, you know, you see them crack, but like other than that, like not for a second are they are they questioning <laughs> this, this little fantasy that they're playing out, and uh, it, it, yeah, it was just just 
really fun to take it to, to that level just to yeah we had previously done. well they crack but they don't break character i mean i i think yeah. i think the and i again the uh the spit take if you will was 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 totally not scripted that's the way it felt and it, even she even says something that you would Almost felt like she she couldn't believe. I don't want you to say anything to give anything away here, but I just I just loved it. Uh, There's so many. Again, it's, this film is about these two characters, and it is um, it's heartfelt. It's just it's terrific stuff. Now I know it's very it was a very collaborative effort. I know you work with Mark uh, Mark Duplass. You also work with uh, Zan Aranda and and is it um, uh, es- Mel Esland? Yeah, Mel Esland. Yeah, all of them. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so I mean, it sounds like you within the film itself were collaborating, as you said, collaborating as things progressed, as the story moved forward. So you're a cinematographer, you're a director, but you've got this support support staff. You've got this. This safety net, you know. So, as far as shooting and directing, what were the challenges for you? Well, I would say um, first challenge is I. Whenever it was a single camera thing, I knew I wanted to operate that camera and really, you know, find moments to tell the story, chase everything. Mm-hmm. But um, we did a lot of, you know, a lot of the the improv, sit down, talking stuff was was two cameras crossing, and at first I would. I would, you know, try to be on one of the cameras as well. And I, I quickly realized that I would get myself in a lot of trouble if I um, couldn't see both of the actors' faces. So um, it was a challenge for me to let go what was comfortable, which is, you know, holding a camera mm-hmm. and um, and instead just sitting at a monitor watching, you know, two other camera, you know, two other people operating cameras. Uh, but when you're, you know, when you're shooting, when you're cross-shooting two actors doing improv, it's, just so much more important to be at that monitor and mm-hmm. and be there for your actors where they can they can trust that you really have seen every you know every little bit of minutia they've done especially in a, in a film like this where there's so much subtlety it's like I, I should be watching both sides so that was a mistake I um, on the first day and I and I very quickly threw my camera assistant on the on the second camera I said you're operating and uh, <laughs> and I need to be at the monitor yeah. yeah. I want to remind our listeners, we're speaking with Alex Lehman. Uh, he's the director of two terrific films. One is, which is Asperger's Arras, a documentary about a troupe of comedians uh, who are performing, performing their last uh, show. But it's a lot more than that. It's about these four men who are, in some way or another, coming, making the best. Oh, that's a horrible way to put it. Uh, they are. You know, I. I look at it as a coming of age story, really, more than anything. It's it's about these guys. They're just yeah. trying to do their show, and yeah. and just like any like any comedy troupe or or band or anything, there's going to be like conflicts of, yes. of trying to you know make something new and great. Thank you, thank you for that help on that because you're absolutely right. <laughs> it's just four guys trying to do their best show. Uh, and uh, and then this other film that we're we're talking about right now is Blue Jay, uh, with starring uh, Sarah Paulson and Mark Duplass. And uh, uh, real quick, can I just sort of make I want to make some maybe maybe not appropriate kind of uh, analogies for people who are interested in seeing uh, Blue Jay. It has a very European film, and, and I know that's a pretty wide net I'm casting, but there's almost a, a French New Wave feel to to the film, um, in the way that the, the sort of the intimacy with which you shot the two of them together, and the situations, and there's not a lot of 
there's no explosions. There's nothing. It's very much about them and their interactions. So it, it feels, and maybe it's unfair to say European, but it has a sensibility. I'm kind of curious about sort of your your film influences or people that you look at as filmmakers that you admire and, and at such. Well, my nickname is Frenchy. I, I grew up in France. Oh. So you're not totally wrong there. Yeah. The accent didn't stick, but uh, but yeah, all my buddies call me Frenchy. Um, wow. You know, I, I I love early Jarmouche. I grew up, you know, obviously on tons of of uh, you know old school French cinema as well, the new wave stuff. I, yeah. I mean, 400 Blows is like one of my favorite movies of all time, and I'm going to figure out how to make it again. <laughs> but uh, but uh, yeah, no, I, I I've I, yeah I've, I grew up on on quiet, simple films where the characters and the and the plot were enough and the actors did such a great job that you just you didn't need to look at anything else. You were just entertained by, by who they were and and, you know yeah. it's like sitting it's like sitting at a you know, at the dinner table for for three hours having a nice conversation. Like that's it's that's so what we do. <laughs> so it's it, it there's a lot of things there is I, I mean it's yeah, it's just a fun film to watch. It's yeah, think for a foe mixed with maybe a little my dinner with Andre, a little bit of this, a little bit of, I mean there's it just has People who like acting, who like stories, who like people in their movies. Uh, this is a fantastic film for you to check out, Blue Jay. Now, let's get into the sort of the business side in the last couple minutes I got with you. So the film is still currently in theaters as we speak, uh, but tell us a little bit about the path moving forward for both Blue Jay and for Asperger's or Us. Yeah, Asperger's or Us is still doing in L.A., you know, a week in LA in a theater at the Arena Cinema, mm-hmm. and it's on iTunes. Um, and we're we're really happy that it's it's standing out on its own uh, on iTunes, and Blue Jays as well. And then they're both hitting Netflix in December. I think um, I want to say Blue Jay is December sixth, and then Asperger's or Us is December eleventh. So I don't know. I, I yeah. You start making one movie in 2013, and then the other one you shoot in February of 2016, and they come out <laughs> a week apart on Netflix. If that's not a good example of what indie filmmaking is, I don't you know I I, I don't know what to tell you. Oh, <laughs> that is that is amazing to hear. That is so true. So so true. But you now are you do you intend to stay uh, on on. As a shooter, do you want to continue directing? I mean, do you have the directing bug? Is it something you want to pursue? Are you working on something now? I've always wanted to direct, and, um, you know, I kind of use cinematography as a way in. But, um, yeah, I, I, you know, I I love cinematography, but I've never been um, things or as obsessed. I don't take photos. I'm not a photographer. Mm -hmm. I've I have friends that are amazing cinematographers and I've always looked at them and I've gone like I I don't feel the same way about cinematography as you do. <laughs> like, like, uh, like I love movies, I love movies so much, but like I'm the guy who's always told directors like, Oh, that take was so great. That was an amazing performance and the director's like, Yeah, but was it a little bit out of focus how the uh, and, you know, I'll respond like, oh, but who cares, man? It was like an amazing take. Like who cares about the, you know, like, yeah, it buzzed. Who cares? So I don't know, I think yeah. In my heart, I I want to be more involved in the overall storytelling. That's definitely, um, yeah. you know, what I've been chasing with a, a few projects. So, uh, you know, Mark and I have a couple irons in the fire, and then um, there's a few other people I'm trying to work with right now. And um, at the end of the day, I feel like there, there are so many talented people in the industry that, like, you kind of, 
as far as I can tell, even if you make a really good project, you know, I've seen this with other people as well, it's great and people love you, and then you just get thrown right back in the pile of talented, amazingly hardworking people who are trying to get their next one made, and you just, you know, as soon as that next one gets greenlit, you feel blessed again, but yeah. uh, in the meantime, I'm, I'm supporting my uh, my peers who are getting their movies made. Right, and, and uh, you know, by the way, I want to go back to what you said about the shot, because I'm kind of a viewer, I'm definitely of your, your ilk to say, but look at how amazing it was. Yeah, maybe the, the edges are out of focus. Whatever those little tiny technical things, I am overwhelmed by whatever it is that I captured, you captured in, in, a, in a shot. So I'm kind of, I'm sort of in that mindset. So uh, I maybe that's, that's uh, I, I agree with what you're saying, I guess, is I uh, just wanted to let you know that, uh, and as well as um, thank God for people like Mark Duplass and his brother as well. They're oh my both, gosh, yeah. You know, I mean, you look at people like Richard Linklater, how many ships has he launched and how many of Mark, I forgot Mark's brother's name. I'm just blanking out here. Jay. And Jay. Mark and Jay Duplass, how many ships have they launched as well? There's few people in the industry that you, you, you just see uh, that it's about paying it forward. It's about, you know, recognizing talent and not being insecure and threatened by it, but in fact, embracing it. And making something wonderful happen, and uh, this is uh, um, another th- quick uh, thing about uh, your producer uh, Zana Aranda. Um, she also, I had her on the show to talk about her Andrew Bird documentary, uh, Fever Year. Yeah, and it's great to see her working and producing and doing things like that. So this whole cast and and this crew, uh, what an amazing collaborative effort it must have been for you. Absolutely. Uh, just, just, I was surrounded by nothing but intelligent, wonderful, insightful people. And, um, to, uh, to be completely honest at first, when, when, you know, when you're just getting into it as, as, you know, a director and it's your first movie, you almost feel, didn't feel threatened, but you almost feel threatened because you go, wait a minute, everybody here is so smart and has so many good ideas. Like what, you know? This is this is insane, and then and then you very quickly realize like, yeah, why would I not want to be surrounded by smart, good people? And like, they do bring great ideas, and you know they're here to help me, and I'm here to help them. And and as soon as you put that you know that that insecurity away, um, yeah. or ego, or whatever you want to call it, it's yeah. it, it it makes you realize that like, there's no good reason not to be working with the most intelligent and insightful people you can, and and t- you know, take it, take it for all it's worth. Because yeah, Zan, uh, amazing filmmaker, very smart, huge heart. Mel Eslin, uh, same thing. Sid yeah. Fleischman. I couldn't imagine having made this movie without great creative producers. And that's something I didn't realize when I was a cinematographer. I would look at directors and go like, Ah, oh, why is, why is a director letting that producer like change their their voice or their, their opinion? But now, I don't know. Maybe those are bad producers. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> but. but Maybe I didn't like the choices that they were bringing, but I can tell you that I, I was influenced in a very positive way uh, with great contributions made from that producing team. Yeah, well, it sounds like in addition to being uh, obviously the the product, it's all in the product here in both of these films, and uh, it sounds like you know being working with kind of a godfather of sorts with with Mark um, as well, sort of 
kind of, all right, just relax. We got you covered. That must have felt like kind of a nice security blanket once you got into this process. And then uh, you're, you've learned, a, I think, a very valuable lesson, right? To, they're not to be not to be worried, to be, to be a contributor, and, and it's all for the better. So, well, Yeah, and then, and then the other thing is you, you actually get to go for it. When you have that safety net, yeah, you, uh, yeah. you're not afraid of screwing up. You, you, you get to take cooler chances. And, and that's truly how these performances feel to me is that that's exactly a great way to put it is those, those performances felt like, especially for Mark, who's not known as a dramatic actor. He's not done a lot of this kind of work. But to see him uh, to do it, and he does it well, and uh, this goes without saying Sarah as well, but... Uh, well, thank you. I'm so happy we were able to uh, to work this out and to get together uh, to talk to you about your films. And uh, hopefully, when uh, the next project is ready for release, uh, I'd love to have you back on, Alex. Oh, thank you so much. This was so great. I really appreciate it. All right, the film the films are Asperger's Are Us documentary, and also Blue Jay um, directed both directed by Alex Lehman. Thank you again, and you take care. Thanks. You too. Bye. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.